0: President Biden said the other day that the U.S. is going to have food shortages. Did anybody notice this? Biden, he wasn't talking about like Somalia or Ethiopia. He literally said the United States will play you the clip is going to be having real food shortages. Like that's not supposed to happen. That that hasn't happened in over a 100 years if the president is even like remotely competent or capable or awake. I mean, is anybody hearing this? All of that is coming up. Here's the difference between Trump and Biden, is that Biden called—there are many differences. Biden, under Trump, there were no food shortages. Under Trump, gas didn't cost $7 a, a gallon. But Biden called Putin a butcher and said that Putin must not remain in power. And that would that's a good thing. But then the White House walked it back. There's your difference. is Trump used to say this kind of thing all the time and, and, and told it like it was. Biden finally said something a little bit tough— months overdue, and yet the White House is so afraid and terrified, tiptoeing around Putin. Putin, he might be offended. What if he thinks we want regime change? We called Putin a butcher. You can't do it. Putin, Putin, who knows how he's going to reply? We got to be careful and sensitive about the man's feelings. So the White House quickly issues a statement clarifying that, of course, Biden never meant to suggest Regime, regime change. Trump, like he would insult these vicious tyrants. Remember, little rocket man. The media would freak out. I mean, the media would tell us how Trump is going to lead to World War Three. And it turns out Trump kept the peace by being so strong. Biden is the one who's leading us into World War Three. Lindsey Graham. Remember, Lindsey Graham called for basically Putin to be assassinated by somebody inside Russia. And like the media had a meltdown. But Biden says Putin cannot remain in power. And yet the White House later clarified, well, no, Biden was not calling for regime change. Moscow got all upset. So they said – here's what a spokesman said. He said Biden's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors in the region. No, that wasn't Biden's point. That was Biden's point. No, he just meant – when he said he can't stay in power, he meant he he should not exercise power over – the Baltic States over Ukraine. I mean, come on, they're so phony. Uh, we'll bring you all the latest on Ukraine coming up. Last week in Israel, tragic, tragic news. There was a horrific terror attack in Beersheva in Israel. It was unspeakably tragic. There are no words to say about this. A terrorist rammed his car into one person, then went on a stabbing rampage. Four people were murdered in brutal fashion, two others were injured. These were regular people. I mean, they expected to come home to their families later that day. There are no words to describe this. I mean, there were two mothers of small children. There was a Chabad emissary who was killed. I mean, they were just expecting to come home, expecting to see their families like any other regular day. Yet they were ambushed and brutally murdered by this vicious monster. And now their children, for the rest of their lives, will not have that parent. Now, Two heroic civilians shot and killed the terrorist before he was able to inflict more harm. This man was walking freely. I just want to mention two points here. This this terrorist was walking around free thanks to the liberal Israeli court system. That's number one. Number two, the men who shot the terrorist, they had their guns actually confiscated by police, and then police refused to give back their guns so the men could go home and not be in danger uh, as we're going to get to. So let's begin with the courts here. This terrorist had been convicted on terror charges in the past. I mean, that's it. He should lock him up and throw away the key. He tried to join ISIS and yet he was only sentenced to four years in jail. To me, it's very simple. If you try to join ISIS or you try to join a terror group, you're in jail for life. You don't get a second chance. That's it. That itself. Like what like what type of person do you need to be? To try to join ISIS, like that tells you you're pure evil. There is no way to, to you know, to ever repent. I mean, there is no way that you can ever come back for that, from that, and ever show you know, your remorse. So the judge sentenced him to four years in jail. Prosecutors asked for five years in jail, but the judge, and I'm sorry, but five years is, is as I said, is not enough. But 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 the judge said he doesn't even go to jail for five years. The the judge felt that this man showed remorse and that he appeared sincere in his remorse. Are you kidding me? He tried to join ISIS, but he seems sincere in his remorse? I mean, it, it, like, this is in Israel, of all places? Like This is totally inexcusable. The judge, to me, is almost an accomplice to murder. And even five years, that's the kind of thing that happens in the U.K., and then these people come out, and how often do we hear that somebody commits a terror attack in places like the U.K., and it turns out they were already in jail on terror charges, but they were released. It's totally inexcusable. It's really disgraceful. If you join ISIS, it's an act of war, like you're literally an enemy of the state. And as far as the police go, they confiscated the guns for a forensic test. Now, I understand it's routine. It's a routine forensic test. These guns were used to gun down a terrorist. I get it. It's routine protocol. But here's the thing. One of the heroes said, listen, the video was posted online. The video was spread all over social media. These men were on video, their faces, talking about these heroes who gunned down this terrorist. So they were in danger. They're in danger. They're targets now by more Arab terrorists who are possibly seeking revenge. So they're afraid for their lives. They're afraid for their families. And they said, we need our guns. The police refused to give them their guns back until they were done with these tests, which who knows how long that takes. And uh, the, the police gave them no replacement weapon. And by the way I am not even sure why you need forensic tests because there are multiple videos of the shooting so you're able to actually see exactly what happened it's not like you know you need to you need the gun forensic tests or, or else you're not aware or you can't analyze what took place you can watch them being shot on the video but just give them a replacement gun it's very simple and in general you know the Israeli courts very leftist very soft on crime the police in Israel often are corrupt doesn't mean all of them but many of them Sometimes they're actually tougher on West Bank settlers and on Haredim than they are uh, on, on, on the Arabs, who are the real enemies. I mean, it's egregious. All right. President Biden, as I said, he says that we can expect food shortages. This is a very big deal when the president of the United States says that the United States can expect real food shortages. And the media is totally ignoring this story. And I think the White House is ignoring this story. It's been nearly 100 years since there are any real food shortages in the U.S., as you can imagine. Now, if you're going to say it, you're going to say, listen, Biden, he's just delusional. It's just Biden. So he says these things. And, well, if he is, that's an equally big story. Either way you go, there's a bombshell here. The president of the United States said there's going to be real food shortages. We'll play you the clip. So if he if he's accurate, that's a bombshell, obviously. And if he's not, then, like, the president is so, so delusional and so living in a bubble and so out of touch that he just said there's going to be food shortages, what's the man talking about? So either way, this is a big deal. So he, so um, listen to this clip. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did we, we, so talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. Okay, so he very clearly now it's tough to listen to Biden lately. The last few weeks is even tougher to listen to than he used to be. It's painful. It's painful to listen to the man. You know, he's slurring his words. You feel bad for him. You really do. But uh, you certainly wonder about his capacity. But he clearly said, he said it's going to happen in Europe. And he mentioned also that, not in this clip, that Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. I mean, so this is a very big deal to lose all the resources and all the food production out of Ukraine and, you know, the wheat crops and everything else. And he says the U.S., he said our country very, very clearly. So I want to read you a quote from an article that I saw. Read food, real food shortages sounds like a pretty big deal. That sounds like something an American president might like to start mobilizing for. You know, we are still America. We are still a dynamic country with millions and millions of square miles of unused farmland that could easily make up for losing Ukraine as the breadbasket of the world. But what is the plan? Biden said Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat. He said he and other leaders had a long discussion at the G7 about the need to increase and disseminate food production. I mean, isn't that comforting that like they have a real sense of urgency? They're discussing it. Don't worry, because the G7 is discussing how to deal with it. Well, we know how that usually works out. So there are food shortages coming. And by the way, there is no game plan. But don't worry, everything's fine. Because Biden, look, it's not like he's only, he hasn't let us down. I mean, how many times does the man have to let you down before you start to worry? Moving on to Iran, another disaster. We told you that Biden offered to remove the terror label from the vicious IRGC, the Revolutionary Guard. They, yes, they've offered to remove the terror label from the IRGC, which is it's inexcusable. Uh, the IRGC supports Hamas, Hezbollah, other terrorist organizations. They're perhaps the most evil terrorist organization on the planet. And even Biden just making the offer to remove the label, that itself to me is a war crime right there. But here, get this, Iran has rejected the offer. And this is how the negotiations go. Biden makes concessions. Iran refuses the concession, says we want more. Biden says, pretty, please, pretty, pretty, please, cherry on top. We, you know, we'll keep making more and more concessions. It's it's outrageous. So by Iran rejected this offer is like the most. Uh, it's absurd to even make the offer. It's the most generous concession and insane concession. And Iran rejected it because Iran they would have to make a public commitment to de-escalate terror activity in the region. And Iran refuses to make the public commitment. What does that tell you? Now, they want to write a private letter to Biden, but they don't want to make a public commitment. Now, the commitment is meaningless. We know what happens. They make the commitment. The designation of terrorist is removed, and then they go on to commit more terror acts. We know how this game works. It's all a sham, but they don't even want to do that. The Iranians don't even want to do that because they don't want to even be viewed as getting weak on on sponsoring terror because it's like bad PR for them. I mean this whole nuclear deal – It looks like it's going to be such a disaster. You know, now there's Blinken is saying he's not sure. It may not be imminent. I hope it's not. But we'll have to wait and see. The new health commissioner, look at this, the new health commissioner in New York City, you cannot make this stuff up, wants to keep the mask mandate in place on four-year-olds. In in New York City, the mask mandate has been removed, as we've told you, from everybody in New York City, except for children four and under, except for children under five. They're the only ones who need to suffer. Because they're at major risk of covid. Right. So finally, New York City's getting a little smart. Under, it took a lot of pressure and wants to remove the mask mandate. But the new health commissioner. Oh, this is frightening that that, that this is what the health commissioners believes. Uh, he wants to keep it in place. I think we should. I think we should keep four year olds, keep masks on four year olds, keep forcing four year olds to wear masks. I mean, it's lunacy. Dr. Ashwin Vassan. He says, keep the mask mandate, and he also wants to keep the vaccine mandate in place for the city's private workforce. Here's what he said, quote, I would love nothing more than to send my son to daycare without a mask. But as a scientist, I want to keep him safe because he's not eligible for a vaccine. As a scientist, he wants to, I mean, this is the furthest thing from science. This man, I feel bad for his children. He wants to send his son to daycare without a mask, but it's not safe. Now, this mandate, you could literally be 97 years old and not vaccinated, and you do not need to wear a mask because you could be vaccinated. How silly is that, that a 97 year old does not need to wear a mask, even if they're not vaccinated. But a four year old needs to wear a mask. And as a scientist, your son, Mr. Uh, Ashwin Vassan, Dr. Ashwin Vassan, your son is in more danger of getting hit by a bus on the way to school than of getting severely sick from COVID. He's more likely to get severely sick from the seasonal flu than from COVID. But that's only if you actually are interested in hearing the science. All right, here's the latest update on Ukraine. The Russians are getting slaughtered. Now, it doesn't mean the Russians are going to lose this war. But the Russians are getting slaughtered. And they might lose the war. And they're extremely vulnerable. And now is the time if Biden actually did more to actually help Ukraine. doesn't mean you need a no-fly zone. But send them just tons and tons of weapons, javelin missiles, anti-tank missiles, etc. Send them airplanes. Let the Ukrainians lose. And not because we care about Ukraine. Let me be clear. I'm not saying we care about Ukraine. But this is our chance to bring down Putin. Putin, the, 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 perhaps the most evil threat, you know, clearly the most evil tyrant on the planet, and perhaps the most evil threat to the United States, most dangerous threat to the United States right now. This could be a death blow to Putin. It's a golden opportunity. That's what Trump would do. According to estimates, Russia has lost up to – 16,000 troops. 16,000 troops have been killed. That's an awful lot of troops. Seven generals, seven Russian generals have been killed. So the Ukrainians, everybody thought that, you know, they were just going to just roll over that they had no chance and they are fighting for their lives and they are, I mean, terror brutalizing the Russians. Now the Ukrainians have been brutalized as well. Some of these Ukrainian cities have been ravaged and destroyed. But what a phenomenal job that the Ukrainian citizens are doing, including civilians, including you know non you know people who are non military who are literally grabbing rifles and just fighting. Meanwhile, President Zelensky said that his troops have delivered powerful blows to Moscow's forces uh, around Kiev, and he says it's time for Putin to negotiate an end to the war. And uh, he says that he's never going to let Ukrainian territory be handed over. That's what Zelensky says. I keep predicting that if there's a ceasefire, Russia is going to annex part of Ukraine. Zelensky saying not true. We'll have to wait and see. But meanwhile, Russia, it seems now they're claiming they've suspended their attack on Kiev, which who knows if that's true. You can't believe that. But it's interesting. Ukrainian defense official said that the Ukrainian troops may take back the southern port city of Kherson. That's a very important city, which the Russians gained control over. And a U.S. official said that Russian control in Kherson is now diminishing and that Kherson is actually back to being contested territory. big That's a very big deal. Ukraine is also close to major victories in Kiev, as we said, the minister of defense in Ukraine said Russian troops are facing considerable supply and morale issues and it's unlikely they could regroup and take the capital. So it's amazing how the Russian troops, you know, the this Russian military, they are so much more ineffective uh, and, and so much more incapable and incompetent than anybody believed. You know, a lot of estimates, it shows you how the, even the U.S. military Severely overestimated the Russians, and it actually says a lot about the U.S. military, the Pentagon, because they should—you would expect them to have better intel. So I really question their intelligence, as usual. But here you have—you know—the Russians. They have terrible supply chain issues, terrible logistics. They're not good at getting fuel, supplies, food, water to the troops. They have big, very, very lots of problems with that. And morale. The Russian troops, they don't know why they're there. They wish they, they want to go home. They don't want to, they don't know what they're fighting for. Nobody explained it to them. Some of them were told, it seems, that, uh, they, they were heading to a training in, in Ukraine. They, you know, they, they don't have the access to media that we have. So some of them thought they were going to some kind of training exercise. Then the next thing they know, they're in the middle of a war. So they, they, they they're not fighting nearly with the same kind of morale, you know, the same kind of motivation that, uh, the Ukrainians have. On Friday, Russia signaled, That it may give up its plan to capture Kiev and focus on the east instead, which was a humiliating admission, uh, a humiliating you know confession and admission of defeat for Putin and surrender. A Ukrainian official said, "Don't you know? Don't believe it because they still want to occupy the entire Ukraine." But it's really interesting. Now, does this mean that the Ukrainians are good people? I want to point out, you know, the Ukrainians may. This is not about the Ukrainians to me. Obviously, the Jews in Ukraine are undergoing a horrific, horrific. I mean, it's devastating. What the Jews have gone through, many of them have left. Many of them are still stranded in Ukraine. Many men have been separated from their families who were able to escape. The men had to stay back. So it's unthinkable what's happening to the the Jews in Ukraine. But in terms of the Ukrainians in general, people say to me, do we really care about the Ukrainians? Do we even know that they're decent, good people? Many of them may be vicious themselves. I don't know. I mean, Zelensky now has banned 11 opposition parties and he has taken over the television news in Ukraine. So what does that tell you? Now, just because Volensky is a strong leader and he possibly is a war hero and obviously, you know, he could have fled. And, and uh, it was obviously a very brave move on his part to remain in Ukraine and say, listen, we're going to win this thing. We're going to fight basically to the end. And uh, I'm not running away. I'm not escaping like a coward. I'm staying here and fighting. And he has mobilized his people. I mean, he's gone on video. He, you know, he's been so, he's been incredibly, incredibly strong and influential. You can't take that away from him. Doesn't make him. A good person. I mean, he's a total underdog. He, against unthinkable odds, he has done what virtually everybody, you know, everybody just wrote him off and said this is impossible. They thought that Russia would take take over Ukraine in a week, and Zelensky said, "I don't think so. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna fight to the end." So, uh, you know, we need to see really how things play out. I mean, it does seem that many Jews had a good life in Ukraine and were not persecuted. So it's really difficult to know all the, you know, reality facts on the ground. And look, obviously, there are many people who are innocent in Ukraine who are being killed and wounded. I'm talking about, I mean, there are millions of women and children. I mean, the Russians are are guilty of the most horrific war crimes attacking hospitals, maternity wards, schools. And even though nobody's in school, obviously, but the schools are being used to shelter innocent kids, innocent families. Lives have been shattered. Millions and millions of lives have been shattered. The the homes have been destroyed. The cities have been destroyed. The towns, the villages, they're never going back. So, I mean, it's... Really unthinkable how many millions of lives have been torn, torn apart by this monster Putin. But there may be a lot of bad people on both sides. I mean, it's just a massive tragedy all around. And finally, Joe Biden is releasing a new plan to tax billionaires. Biden is proposing a new tax on billionaires, as we would expect. Now, I want to make this point. I'm not inherently against a tax on billionaires, but it's absurd for Washington to get even more tax money right now From whoever. This is the issue is you want to tell me, you know, well, look, the billionaires, they do have a lot of money. Some of them have these tax loopholes. So what's wrong? Why can't we tax the billionaires a little bit more? They can afford it. I'm not inherently against that, but it makes zero sense. The government and I say this all the time, the government is addicted to spending. It's like taking like a drug addict and saying, listen, he needs more money for drugs. And well, listen, there are billionaires. Elon Musk has plenty of money. So let's take the money from Elon Musk and give it to the drug addict, because why not? That makes no sense. That money is – you're throwing it in the garbage. And literally, I'm not exaggerating. Giving the money to Congress, giving that money you know, to, to the IRS, paying that money in taxes, it's, it's worse than throwing the money in the garbage. They do bad things with this money. So th- that's my issue is that uh, first what you have to do is you have to fix Washington. You have to fix the addiction. They're redistributing wealth. They're taking the money – that the billionaires know how to use properly, and they're giving the money to these clueless politicians. They're wasting trillions of dollars. I mean, there's a there's a trillion dollar budget deficit which is out of control. There's a thirty there's thirty trillion dollars in national debt, and that that money's going up. We owe trillions to China. These politicians they waste so much money. I mean, they have no idea how to spend the money. So that's my issue. First, if you want to balance the budget, if you want to stop wasting so much money. And, you know, and you want to actually cut spending by the trillions, cut out all these wasteful, garbage programs that uh, you know the, the billionaires know how to spend the money. The billionaires they invest a lot of that money into the economy; they do good things with the money. The government they're the they're the last people on the planet. I almost rather give it to the drug addict than give it to Congress. So that's my issue: is balance the budget, pay off the national debt, pay off. Don't well, the whole thing. Oh well, that's never going to happen, right? Thirty trillion, pay off five trillion dollars in national debt. It's getting bigger. You know what? Stop increasing national debt. Make, pass a law. Balance the budget and pass a law. We are not borrowing any more money for the next five years. You're not borrowing any money. It's like everybody else in the world, where you actually have to stay within your means. And uh, tell that to Congress, who should be able to do that. And then you want to tax the billionaires, tax the wealthy, I'm all for it. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.